how do you get a people to engage faithfully when their world has collapsed? This is Chapter, Verse, and Season, a lectionary podcast from Yale Bible Study. Join us each week as two Yale Divinity School professors look at an upcoming text from the Revised Common Lectionary. This episode, we have Joel Baden, professor of Hebrew Bible and director of the Center for Continuing Education, and Bill Gettler, associate dean for ministerial and social leadership and lecturer in parish leadership and church administration. They're discussing Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11, which is appointed for the second Sunday of Advent in year B. Here's the text. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. What is there to say about one of the very most famous passages in the entirety of the Bible? It is so familiar. You know, when we were talking about this, you said, when you see this passage, don't you hear it in song? Sure. And I do, and we probably both do from from different sources. But, you know, this is as sort of standard as it gets... What's there to say about it? Well, and it's also Christians very much here in this text, the promise of the coming Redeemer. John the Baptist will quote this text as he proclaims the coming of Christ. And as intentional as we are in not reading the Hebrew Bible through a Christian lens, this makes that very this one this one is very hard to do in in a way that is responsible to that calling. It's a word of hope to a people who are living in exile, a people who have been separated from the temple and all that they've known, and all that's been good in their lives. And it's a word of comfort. It's it's a word of comfort that is 
that that speaks to anyone who reads it, I think, or hears it. Obviously, it doesn't have, you know, it's oracles of woe and it's oracles of weal. But to have a, a, a prophet who's main idea is it's going to be it's all going to get better friends is rare and i think you know the fact that this you know this prophet and this is the beginning of what we call second isaiah right so canonically in the same book as as the eighth century prophet isaiah who was in jerusalem and but you know we recognize this as a, a different prophet from a couple of hundred years later who is speaking in the exile to the exiled community and in in that sense, right, it's a word of comfort because the worst has already happened, right? This is a people at a at a low ebb. There's nothing more. There's no more. You know. There's no more carrot. There's no more. There's no more sticks. Right. Right. It's just carrots left. Right. How do you get a people to engage faithfully when their world has collapsed? I think this text is is sort of showing us it's not by continuing to yell and continuing to threaten. They tried that. It didn't work. So now begins a new thing. Mm-hmm. You can which, you, you can see why it gets why it gets picked up in the New Testament. Sure, judgment is behind us or set aside, and a new word is spoken, and it's a word of hope in a in a new future. Well, we want to pay attention to that. Yeah, that sounds great. Is there content to it? So there's a highway in the desert. Mm-hmm. What a what a vivid image. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a highway in the desert that might lead us home. It will certainly take us to a place that we are not now. Just because? Well, I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, the comfort is promised. What is required? Is it truly, you know, is it kind of a unilateral gift? I, again, I'm thinking in terms, in terms of where prophecy has been and, and where, the, the, you know, the first part of the book of Isaiah has been, right? Do this in order to avoid that. Like, if you are obedient, you will you know, and, and you and you change your ways, you, things will be good. And if you don't, things will be bad. Now that things have gotten bad, is it is is there any is there any sense here, even in even in the text that we're reading today, that the people have to do anything in order for to bring this about? I don't I don't hear that anything is asked of the people. I, I hear that that God is ready that God is not limited by our circumstances and that God is able to is ready to work through our even in the midst of our pain and our suffering, to bring about a good. And it, the activity is God's activity that's coming into human society. Mm-hmm. The, act, the, the actor is God. I mean, this really is prophecy for the, those who have hit rock bottom. Oh, well, so that gets to an interesting point. So where, where does one need to be to hear this mm-hmm. prophecy as it's intended? Because a, as we hear it in song or read it in this text, we can do that sitting on our thrones, sitting sitting in our places of great comfort, maybe remembering that it was written for a people who were not, but it doesn't make that specific. It does not say, now for you who are in exile, hear this word. It doesn't say that. It doesn't, but there is a desert. Yeah, right. No, I, I do think, I think, I think the question of who needs comfort, what does comfort look like? Are all, are all prophecies for everyone? A prophecy of comfort, there's a return home, it, it will get better, isn't a prophecy for the, for the comfortable, is it? I'm thinking of the places that I've heard Messiah sung. <laughs> and they've all been grand. They've all been beautiful grand spaces, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, when, when we contextualize this historically, you get, it on, you get this, this shift that happens actually on both sides. It's very easy sitting at Isaiah 40 to think, okay, they've been through all the worst. They've hit, they have come, they were in exile. It's, you know, 
this is a the promise, the hope of a way home and of redemption and restoration and all of these wonderful things. And I and that's obviously how it gets picked up into into tradition. And as a, this is really actually so often the case with with biblical readings, it's simply because this is how historically interpretation has happened. You take the the text that you take a text and you you like pop it out of its context and then you use it for your purposes. But in the context, even in the context of the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah has a whole arc to it. It's terrible things. It's you know uh, social condemnation. It's you're gonna everything's gonna be bad. And then they hit the low point, and here we are. And then it's comfort. And then you think, ah, like, and you just, you just talked about, right? This is God's action. This is uh, promise. This is redemption is all these things. When you get, by the time you get to the end of the book of Isaiah, though, the last 10 chapters, it's disillusionment. It turned out that in the same way that the, the threats of terrible things didn't actually save the people from, from exile and from, it didn't, they didn't change their ways sufficiently. So too, actually the promise of redemption doesn't Didn't do the either. doesn't do the work it's supposed to be doing, such that by the end of the book, the prophet, whether it's the same prophet or not, but whatever voice that is at the end, thinking back and building on this is essentially saying, you know, like it didn't. You guys didn't come through. You you were brought back in glory and triumph, and seemed not to care. It it this didn't get through, and God is undeterred by that as well. We we are hearing a God who wants us to flourish, who wants even the earth itself to be cared for. And sure, God is mindful of the ways that we don't live into that promise, but that doesn't change God. And and this and, and Isaiah 40, I think, is a really powerful representation of God's take on all of that. So do we need, is this a text that we need to come back to? Like on like regularly. Well, apparently, we certainly have. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you mean in our different places in life. In our well, different I, you know, I, I guess I guess what I'm what I'm suggesting is, you know, if I described the book of Isaiah in the whole as an arc that goes from threat to promise to disillusionment, does it circle back such that you know the disillusionment may in, entail more threat, which may entail more, or, you know, do we, do we do we find ourselves bouncing back to? promise and do we and we do that in part because we never get there sure and people listening to this conversation are engaged in a in a lectionary cycle which does that same thing yeah which which is that ongoing story of of birth and life and suffering and death resurrection the life of the church and then back to birth sure that cycle is a is a pretty familiar way, an important way of approaching the biblical text and, and approaching faith. Do you think this text is so important, so resonant, so commonly used, in part because so much of the rest of our experience, whether it be lectionary or social, is you know the hard things? The downside, yeah. I mean, or the, the hard things, the hard words, the hard prophecies. How much attention is given to ideas like do this or... Mm-hmm. Such that, you know, and I was talking earlier about what I think of as the, the rarity of what feels like a pretty pure kind of, you know, I just think it's going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. That's, that's rare both biblically and I think probably sort of rhetorically out there in the in the broader world. Is, is, is this text one that we come back to over and over again because we need it? Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening. 
And thank you for taking a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. And for more resources, visit our website, YaleBibleStudy.org. Chapter, Verse, and Season is a production of the Center for Continuing Education at Yale Divinity School. It's produced by creator and managing editor Joel Baden, production manager Kelly Morrissey, associate producer Aidan Stoddart, and I'm your host and executive producer Helena Martin. And our theme music is by Calvin Linderman. We'll be back with another conversation from Chapter, Verse, and Season. Season.